Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Writers, one of the things that Terry and I talk a lot about in this podcast is in Hollywood, you never know where opportunity is. You can go to a party, you can go to a meeting, you can join a a writer's group. Terry, you have one of those stories. I do. Can you want to talk about that today? Let's talk about that. Fantastic. (laughs) Now, writers, I know Terry's story is about National Lampoon's vacation. So I want to tell you a little bit about the movie first before we get into Terry's story. National Lampoon's Vacation was released in 1983. It was written by John Hughes, directed by Harold Ramis. John Hughes would go on to write and direct many movies, 16 Candles. One of my all-time favorites is She's Having a Baby. I love that movie. (laughs) He was born in Lansing, Michigan. Terry, you're originally from Michigan. I am. I was born only an hour's drive to Lansing, so it's pretty close. Lampoon's Vacation was based on a 1979 Lampoon piece by Hughes called Vacation 58. And Terry, do you know the rumor? Do you know the big rumor about that script? Is that the one day thing? Yes. The rumor is Hughes wrote the script in one day, and this was before the average person owned a computer or even a word processor. Yeah, obviously a good story gives you a huge lead in trying to write something in one day because <laughs> it's, it's done. But my theory is actually, I think he wrote it really, really fast and didn't capitalize <laughs> no any <caps>. words. <laughs> and and then I think it took him 23 hours and some change <laughs> to get it done. I think it took him all day. Maybe he ate one meal. That's my thinking. I think we got to test that. No, I think you should test that. <laughs> okay. There is a podcast. <laughs> that all-nighter, which I believe John Hughes could write an entire script in one night, uh, created the successful franchise for the National Lampoon. Five films costing in a total of $113 million to make and all made $299 million. <laughs> Seven hundred forty-three thousand and fifty-nine dollars. Terry, as I mentioned at the top, you have a special relationship with this movie. What's special about it to you? Well, it's special to me because if you look back on my music career as a songwriter, it started with that. And it's a ridiculous story. You know, I love it if you talk to somebody that's in a field, for instance. Um, If you're curious about it, and you might want to even do that, it's not uncommon that you'd come up to the person and say, how did you get your start? Right. And especially with, uh, if I can call this show business, can I call this show business? Yes. Okay. So especially in show business, the stories are going to be really not normal. You know, it's not like, well, I, I became an accountant because my dad was an accountant. 
And when I got out of college, you know, he put me at work at the place. That's, that's a common story. Yes. You but, fill out an application. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the show business thing doesn't really seem to have any of those kind of rules. In fact, if you're going to make it, it's usually a story. I have that kind of story. A friend of mine at the time contacted me and said he was selling cars. Mm-hmm. I I need to, to deliver three station wagons to Warner Brothers lot. And he goes, we need one more driver. Do you want to do it? And I go, oh, okay. And he says, listen, when we get there and we drop them off, we can just run on the lot and go places. Oh, how fun. Yeah, we were going to... Had you been on many lots before no, this? No, I'd only been there one... I only been in, had only been in California for a year. For a year. Yeah, okay. so I hadn't been anywhere. And can you explain to the audience what you mean by drop off three station wagon? They're picture cars. Yes, these would end up becoming the uh, Queen Family Truckster, one of them. Well, actually, all three of them, they made them all into the Queen Family Truckster, the ridiculous looking car in vacation. Right. So So, um, they bought them from this car lot and then we delivered them and we literally drove them in to the to the the front of the production production studio. And we walked in with the keys and sitting across Uh, Manning the front desk at this time was a guy named Trevor Albert, who later became a very successful producer. Really? Oh, I love to hear that. Yeah, he started kind of at, at, I think he was a production assistant. And prior to that, I think he was a, well, name's the same thing. I think he went up a a level, but I think he was a PA on Caddyshack and Mm -hmm. he hit it off with Harold. So he was working with Harold. And he was he produced a Groundhog's Day, one of my favorite movies of all time, and others. Very successful. And so I didn't know who I was talking to, really. In fact, I didn't know it was Harold's film. And I was a huge Caddyshack fan. That was my senior year. I came out my senior year in college. And my roommates and I, we had the option of, of uh, studying. A lot of kids do that at the college. Mm-hmm. Or we could go see Caddyshack 12 times. We decided to go <laughs> with the I'm other with one. You. I would have been right there with you. And uh, those guys, to I believe to this day, when I told them I my story later on, I'm not sure they believed it, even wow. to this day. Good friends. Yeah, well. Good times. It didn't seem possible. <laughs> so I'm at the counter. I hand... Uh, Trevor, the keys, and I say, hey, do you guys, just on the spur of the moment, just jumped in my head, do you guys take any outside songs? And he goes, um, sure. <laughs> I go, great. Can I read a script? And he goes, no. And I know, I do know why now. Yeah, now. <laughs> anything that's not even shot. I mean, they'd never give a script out for anything no. until it was no. a success and done, right? So I said, okay, well, um... Uh, let me see. Is is there a, a romantic part of the movie? And he goes, uh, sort of. I go, okay, all right, great. And uh, how do I how do I get a hold of you? So I got the information, and off I went. So it's like it's 1981. If if any of you lived uh, through that, like myself, that was a great time to come out of college because they were in a, a recession. Mm. So there really wasn't any jobs. Mm. So I I figured I, I should just move out to L.A. and do something idiotic there mm-hmm. rather than stay in Michigan and do the, the other idiotic mm-hmm. thing I would be qualified to do. So I was working nights doing paste up, which doesn't exist anymore. Now it's, everything's 
uh, magazines are created all in a computer and then they're outputted. But for a while, you had to paste up different things. Oh, okay. So I had a, I had a journalism degree, so I, they actually make you learn all the parts of putting out a newspaper. Makes sense. Yeah. So I was doing that from 1 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning. Mm. Uh, uh, I really learned how to drink coffee. That I'm really good <laughs> yeah. at that. I was so excited with this opportunity. I couldn't, I was just, and then I found out it was Harold's movie. And I just said, well, this is the greatest thing ever. Let me take you back to that moment when you were talking to Trevor Albert, mm -hmm. who you thought was possibly the receptionist. Yeah. I, you didn't know. It was I don't even the know enough. Yeah. I didn't in, the, in the front room. Yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't know anybody, what anybody was doing there. Did you know, and obviously this is wrong because <laughs> it happened, but did you ever think like, well, maybe the person at the front office doesn't have the power to get me any further up the ladder? Let's be very clear about this. I knew nothing. nothing. That's nothing. a real oh, plus. That's I can't yeah. tell you, you know, because if it were me now, I'd trot in there. And I would say, can I speak to so-and-so? And they'd say, no. And I would, I would go, oh, crap. And I wouldn't probably engage the person in front of me. Well, now, it's funny. I think I'm a looped person. Now I probably would actually engage the person and say, exactly, does yes. this person hate me? Is that why you're not letting me in? Did I say, do I have one of those? I know I cut myself earlier. Did I take the Kleenex exactly. off that? <laughs> but I interrupted you. Yeah. So uh, I was working nights, and um, so I would get up at 10 o'clock in the morning, getting a solid three hours in. Mm -hmm. I would go to the Sherman Oaks Methodist Church, shout out to those fine people who let me play the grand piano. Oh. And so I went there every day for two weeks from 10 to 3 and tried to write a song for, this, for the movie. And... When I think back on it, there's so much luck that goes into this. But if I would have been smart, I would have screwed myself out of this opportunity because I would have thought about Stripes and I would have thought about Harold Ramis singing Do Wah Diddy in yeah, Stripes. Yeah. And I would have looked at that and said, I've got to rewrite Do Wah Diddy. Mm -hmm. He likes Do Wah Diddy. I've got to ditty this up or I'm screwed. <laughs> but of course, I didn't know anything. And so I stuck with the idea of singing or writing a, uh, well, I did sing it, singing and writing a song about romance. And I knew that it was a, they did say, well, vacation takes, it's a summer vacation movie. So I stuck with summer and romance mm -hmm. and uh, off I went. And I also lucked out when a friend of mine named Larry Staffan was passed on, uh, Larry, everybody misses you, by the way. He was a an engineer at a studio that I, I knew, and I was uh, without clues and resources. He said, ah, come in, play the song. I'll do a demo for you. So oh, I sat nice. at the piano. Yeah, so nice. I played the piano, sang the song. He did a beautiful mix of it, and I had a demo. And off I went to the production office and handed it over. And it's one of those things, too, if you don't know anything, you kind of think there'll be like a fanfare of which they'll br they'll bring you in and play the song for the entire <laughs> office. Everybody be swaying back and forth, loving it. <laughs> and they just go, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see. You. Clapping. No clapping. Yeah. So I dropped it off months, months 
months go by. Mm. And uh, somewhere in the, I think it was like three months in, I got a call and they said, yeah, we're passing on this. And I go, oh, okay. And I said, uh, do you have other spots? He goes, yeah, we got some other spots. We got this one scene. And people that know the movie will know what I'm talking about. They wanted an up-tempo song for when Chevy Chase first sees Christy Brinkley. So I got the name, Christy Brinkley? Yes, Christy yeah. Brinkley, in the car. Yeah. In the convertible. Yeah. And it, it was... Blonde hair. Yeah. Flowing. Flowing. Yeah. And they ended up with the Pointer Sisters song, I'm So Excited. That went in there. Mm. But so I tried to write something for that and failed miserably. So I was out until about another six weeks went by. And they called back and said, yeah, we want that first song again. Hold the phone. Yeah. You lucked in. <laughs> yeah. Got rejected. Yes. And then they called you back. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know why. I do now. And so I was... Are you going to tell us why? Yeah. Oh, I'll, good. I'll okay, you know. okay, okay, okay. Do you want me to roll forward or do you want me to jump No, off? no. I just wanted to make sure we're going to find out why. Yeah. Um, so wonderful things went by, mm-hmm. including, I remember... Now, this would be conversation from Harold through Trevor Albert. And it's just so sweet. I have to say this. I have to tell the story too. Okay. So um, the amount of money they gave me for this was probably more than they'd ever paid somebody who just wrote a song because okay. they had to do a whole bunch of stuff extra. They had to find a singer. They got a, a, these big time producers and everything. They paid me great. I didn't really know it at the time, although I was my head was spinning that I was making mm-hmm. any money as a songwriter. <laughs> couldn't get over it. I couldn't even be lived with for a while. Mm-hmm. That's all I would talk about. Mm-hmm. My poor wife at the time. Enough. <laughs> well, you, know, I, you know, I'm really aware what's going on. Stop bringing it up. And so the deal was really great. And when I took it to, he said, you got to take it to an attorney. So I found an attorney and the guy goes, I don't think you're going to get more money than this. He goes, you should just say yes and go kiss him. (laughs) So it was great. I mean, it was not, it was not a a ton of money in, you know, but it was huge to me at the time because I was, was working nights for crying out loud. So that was great. So the movie came out. I got to go to the premiere it was a blast. I would go and just visit vacation posters out on the street. Oh, uh, yeah, do I have pictures? Show, yeah, pictures you, you of me. Have to have yeah, pictures. Stand, standing near the sign. Yeah, all that stuff. So it was really fun. And, uh, uh, but it would take uh, 10 or 15 years, well, more than that. So it would take like till 2012 that I would actually hear kind of what went on. And that, I guess it was actually, so it's 2015. So is that about 12 years later? More than that. That you actually found out why they called you back in? So it turned out that Harold loved the song. Um, so I didn't really know the circumstances by which it was picked or anything else. Um, in, in the movie, it's only used as a cue. Okay. I did I w- did witness the recording of the cue. That was really nice of them. And... Uh, but it was only going to be a song on an album in which they contacted a singer whom I admired at the time named Nicolette Larson, God rest her soul. And so I also knew who the producer was at the time, a guy I admired a great deal too, Michael Amartian. And so it was a, it, it was a dream time of the stuff happening. But later on, like after 
Harold passed. Uh, I think he died in 2014. His daughter came out with a, a book that started to make sense of these things, including within like a month's period, I, I read about the book. And then somebody online said Summer Hearts was actually the director's cut song when it, that was finishing the movie with that song at the end. Was it the end credit? It was the end credit that's a song. Huge spot. It's huge, yeah, and that's what Harold wanted at the end of that movie, which really? sort yeah didn't make sense to me because you'll remember that we're talking about uh, "Holiday Road" was the song, and that was Lindsey Buckingham instrumental that ended the. It was a, it's a great song for yeah. the end of the. It yeah, really it's a fun is great. Song. Everything about it, it's everything about it's great. So it was the right choice, and I made sense to me at the time. So the rest of it didn't make sense in. Harold Ramis's daughter's book, Violet Ramis, called The Ghostbusters Daughter, she would describe her dad during this time as a guy that was exercising his options in an open marriage. Now, she sort of hinted, if I didn't, unless I didn't read this correctly, that I'm, I'm not sure that his wife was completely on for this. Mm, yeah. Not sure. I'm with Violet. And so he had a relationship with Amy Hecklerine. I never knew that. Yeah. By the way, she would end up directing In Vacation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, she, uh, of course, Amy Hecklerine, Fast Times at Richmond. Of course, yeah. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. They had a relationship which, in in the end, created a daughter. I never knew that. Yeah. And that woman's name is Molly Israel, and she's a comedian. Yeah. I am so, I, I'm going to look her up. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I have, and she's very funny. And, you know, the uh, fruit doesn't, how's it going this? Fruit the does, fruit uh, doesn't the fall nut far. Doesn't, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree. So that happened. And now I'm going to play a little bit of this song. <gasps> Yay. Yeah. Because I own so the copyright. <laughs> it is your song. Yeah, you can I own play the copyright. It. So coming up is this song, and listen to the lyrics in the chorus because it kind of tells a story. I mean, think about what he's going through, and this song shows up. Just when I had Summer hearts are free to love and leave. <laughs> or come and go. Summer love may just be what you need. <laughs> it's a really lovely song, Terry. It is it a lovely really song is. with the lovely Nicolette Larson singing it. She's just great. Beautiful. Yeah, she sounds great. Track's amazing. Uh, Michael Lamardian never has a bad day in the studio. And so it sort of makes me believe that this resonated with him because I think he was going through that. Yes. And... Uh, when this was sort of all over, when all the things were locked in and the, and the movie had been out and it was a su success, I did write him a note. And really fast, I got this note from him. I'm going to read it. Terry, that would be me. 
I listen to Summer Hearts at least once a day, and I'm glad things worked out for both of us. Good luck in the future, Harold. Isn't that sweet? Nicest guy in the world. That's one of the most loveliest notes on a buck slip. (laughs) I'm not kidding. For those writers out there, buck slips are just what people in the industry... I don't think they're around much anymore because we email so much, but they're a cardstock and your name and maybe the movie... Is the movie on that or is that no, his name? It's just so his Ray. name is on the bottom of it printed. Yeah. And that's how you would communicate with people, send a script. You would write a note on a buck slip. They're not always personal, and that's a lovely personal note. Yeah. I love it. I like to Yeah. I'm gonna put it up on IG if oh, you great. don't mind. Great. You guys might might be looking at it. Yeah. So had I uh, done the Doo Diddy song, I'd be mm. living in my sister's basement today <laughs> for certain. Did you work with Harold again? I have one other great story about Harold that I love, and that is after 1992 along came our daughter, Madeline. And uh, we aren't nanny people. Mm-hmm. We're... Uh, hands we're, up. We're hands up. So what that meant was, and it's, it's easy because I work at home a lot. My wife is a successful customer, and she was working on Cheers at the time. Wow. And so uh, Tuesdays was always the big shoot day for Cheers. So Madeline was always with me all day on Tuesdays. Otherwise, she was flipped back and forth like a football. <laughs> but I had her all Tuesday, and I had made a appointment and the thing is, I was, I was trying to pitch to a uh, to Groundhog's Day. I had a song for Groundhog's Day, so um, I did. He did say, "Oh, come in and play it." He goes, "I have an opening on Tuesday," and I just immediately said, "Sure," and didn't think about it. And mm-hmm. so I said to Sharon, "Tomorrow I have a meeting with Harold, so you'll take Madeline." She goes, "I can't take Madeline. I work at a a job. People, I gotta dress people all day." <laughs> I hope Madeline was standing right there with a little thumb in her mouth and a blanket. And- <laughs> Parents arguing over her. She was super teeny. I mean, she was a she was a bundle girl. She's the best. She is the best. So I said okay, and I put her in the car, and we drove to the meeting, and I walked in. I started apologizing. I said, "If there's a, a problem in the scheduling, if you don't mind, Madeline won't make any noise." He goes, "Hand me her." Harold. <laughs> oh, Harold. Yeah. So he sits with her the whole time we're meeting oh, on his lap. Give me that baby. Yep, he likes babies. <laughs> Who doesn't? And and he's he's uh he's playing with her and and enjoying the whole thing. He, he it put him in a great mood. And so I'm playing the song. I'm going, boy, this is going great. <laughs> this is great. Madeline. And what time. a great story it would have been had he picked the song. Oh, but he did not pick the oh, song. So close. So close. Yeah, I should have do what did he then. I think. <laughs> yes. But, but that's a great story. Yeah. I tell Madeline about that and she, you know, there's that's one of those things where the kids don't have any context to what was going on. They yeah. just you know, they just yeah. go, "Oh, neat." Yeah. <laughs> Later that night, Ted Danson <laughs> right, gave her a popsicle. So, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rhea Perlman walked around the entire night with Madeline. That was her. Was Danny her DeVito looked her right in the eye and Don't talked to her. Don't get any ideas, young lady. <laughs> I do have a great picture of my daughter um, at the bar with a cigar in her hand with a cast. Really? Yeah, maybe we'll put that up. Oh, let's put that up. But that'd up. be confusing. I would love that. Okay. And uh, just for fun, let's yeah, put that up. It's baby's first cigar. It's a big moment <laughs> with the cast little girl's of cheers. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, she got heavy into cigars for a couple of years after that. Mm. Yeah, loved mm. the cigar. Kicked it. 
Um, so, uh, so that so the out. so the vacation movie to you. My start, big time start. Great. Because that happened, I was welcomed in to pitch music at Warner Brothers. And then eventually I was signed in and off I went. So I do believe it's good to be uh, daring and yes. to do things that you aren't comfortable with. Yes. And people really want it to be comfortable. But in this business, you have to go outside and accept and try things and accept the defeat as well. That's Don't worry about that part so much. And if, again, if anybody ever asks me, how do I get ahead in show business? I say... Deliver a station wagon to a studio in Hollywood and get a career. Thanks. See you later. Works every time. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Vern. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music by Ethan Stoller.